slides it out for Ekblad. Back to Hoffman, blocked by Polak and Rice! Another spectacular stop! Broussard tees it up and a save is made by Bobrovsky. Nelson, Marcel with the open net and he scores! Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. All right, everybody, welcome to the Thursday edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. So good to be with you. Hope everybody is well, staying safe, and uh, continuing their social distancing. We have got a lot to talk about today. The NHL announcing that some of the plans that they've been discussing as far as the resumption of play and how and where and when it might be done have been changed. We'll have all the latest reports for you. We will look back at a playoff clinching win over the Rangers on this date in Islanders history. And of course, we will continue our look at some of the highlights of the 2019-2020 season so far as we break down some of those, you know, good times and good points that the Islanders enjoyed earlier in the season. We'll take a look at some signature victories. If you have a question, a comment, a particular topic that's on your mind, feel free to send us an email. The email address is lockedonislanders at gmail.com. If you leave your name and where you're from, we're happy to mention you on the air uh, when we discuss whatever it is that's on your mind. You can also contact the show and follow the show on Twitter, the address at LockedOnIsles. And you can follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at IceWarsNYRVSNYI. And we'll keep you up to date on all the latest news and notes and rumors from around the world of the New York Islanders. So let's start out today discussing the latest that is coming down the pike. A lot of reports out there, but the big one is that the NHL has, according to multiple reports, uh, initially Greg Wyshynski of ESPN and Sportsnet Elliot Friedman had reported that they are abandoning uh, plans to hold playoff games and or regular season games at neutral non-league arenas as a possible solution for either the playoffs or the resumption of the regular season. And we had initially heard the idea that, you know, North Dakota, New Hampshire, and Saskatoon, Saskatchewan were possibilities places with relatively low population density, but positive, you know, facilities that might be able to be worked with. But as of right now, the league is no longer looking as uh, to that as an option. Too many obstacles, essentially, in the way. And, you know, he... Basically, right now, the NHL still has told its players to self-quarantine 
through April 30th. And I am reasonably sure they will extend it beyond that shortly. Uh, But too many problems as far as the logistics were concerned. Uh, Basically, you know, whether or not there would be uh, enough hotel space, enough facilities, uh, places for the players to train. So right now, just a lot of obstacles out there, and they're abandoning that plan. Florida Panthers president Matthew Caldwell held a conference call yesterday, and basically he said that the league is now targeting sometime in July. Uh, Here's the quote that was shared by the Florida Channel. It says, at least for the NHL, we're trying to target sometime in July, and then when we feel like the players are safe, we have enough testing and have enough ways to get back on the ice, it's probably going to be contained to playing at four or five neutral sites. So that's being discussed right now. My guess is, Caldwell added, we would start with either limited fans or empty arenas. None of this has been uh, finalized, but this is the direction that things are going in. And the other news that we do have is that Commissioner Gary Bettman plans to contact Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau to discuss, among other things, potential testing options and ways for players to start to uh, train and skate enough to get them back into game shape. And that's going to take time. Um, The players are going to need at least two or three weeks to work out and get, you know, into some kind of mini camp or training camp before either the season or the playoffs can resume. And, you know, if you figure right now April 30th is the target date for the end of the quarantine, you got to figure they're going to extend it at least another week to 10 days, maybe more, depending on the situation. And, you know, right now, you then would need a minimum of two weeks, probably three, for training camps to get the players back into shape before you get them ready to play games. Now, one of the things that the league has reportedly been looking at is using the home ranks of one team per division uh, in order to resume. The ranks that are rumored to be the front runners right now Uh, Carolina Hurricanes for the Metropolitan Division, the Edmonton Oilers in the Pacific, and the Minnesota Wild in in the Central. No location has yet been put forth for the Atlantic Division as of yet. But these are the latest rumors. This is sort of a change in the focus for the National Hockey League. And again, the encouraging thing is we are starting to talk about plans and timetables and what the league is going to do in the eventuality that they are able to resume play. It's important. It's something the league is going to have to figure out. And we here at Locked On Islanders will keep you up to date on that.
and any other news pertaining to the resumption of play, how it affects the Islanders, what the Islanders players are thinking and doing, and how they'd react to it throughout the suspension of play as long as it continues. You know, quite honestly, the thought of all of the Metropolitan Division teams playing their games in Carolina, when you initially think of it, yeah, maybe that gives the Hurricane a slight advantage, but in essence, it's not that big of an advantage because all the teams in the Metropolitan Division would be put up and be in the same city. They would all be able to have the same access, you would assume, to practice arenas and to practice facilities. There would be few or even no fans at the games initially. So, you know, home ice advantage would not be that big of a deal. But the advantage that you might have to going to NHL cities as opposed to these smaller neutral sites like, you know, Saskatoon and, and uh, you know, North uh, Grand Forks, North Dakota, and so on, is that you've got more hotel space, more facilities, more options, really, uh, to put these teams up and, and give them a uh, place to play, a place to stay, a place to isolate, and still be able to play the games. All right, this date in Islanders history, we take you back to April 23rd, 1982, Madison Square Garden is the site, Game 6 of the Patrick Division Finals, also known as the second round of the playoffs, Islanders in the midst of their run for their third straight Stanley Cup, Rangers won the first game and the fifth game of this series, with the Islanders winning games 2 three, and four. Game three, an overtime winner, and believe it or not, even to this day, the Rangers have never beaten the Islanders in a playoff overtime game. So, Islanders up three games to two. Rangers hoping that being back at Madison Square Garden will help them extend things to a seventh game. Islanders trying to put them away. Billy Smith Mr. Clutch in goal for the Islanders, the Rangers going with Eddie Mio, and the Islanders would get on the board first midway through the first period. Butch Goring gets an unassisted goal, his third of the playoffs at 11:01. It's one to nothing, Islanders. But then the Islanders take a penalty, Gord Lane off for roughing at 12.03, and the Rangers make them pay. Rayo Rutzelainen, his fourth of the playoffs on the power play from Ron Duguay and Mark Pavlich at 13.13, and at the end of 20 minutes, it was Islanders one and the Rangers one. In the second period, Butch Goring strikes again, and you know, Goring, one thing about him, he wasn't a prolific goal scorer, but he definitely was a clutch goal scorer. Just 33 seconds into the second period, goring his fourth from Dwayne Sutter, and it was 2-1 to one Islanders. Again, penalties get the Islanders into trouble. Billy Carroll off for hooking at 10.58 of the second, and Barry Beck of the Rangers 
blasting one from the point. His first of the playoffs from Rutzelainen and Pavlich at 11:34, and again the game is all tied at two to two. Islanders break back on top late in the second period. Bob Bourne, his fourth from Dave Longevin and Mike Bossy, and it's three to two Islanders after two periods of play. So the Islanders are clinging to a one-goal lead heading into the third period. Rangers with their backs up against the wall, facing elimination, and they manage to even things up early in the third period. Robbie Fatorik, his seventh of the playoffs from Beck and Rutsalainen at 546, we're all even at three. So, we're tied. Who do you think comes through with the game-winning goal? Was it Brian Trottier, Mike Bossy, Clark Gillies, Bob Nystrom, John Tonelli? No. How about Dave Longevin, his second of the playoffs from Wayne Merrick at 13.52. The Islanders add an empty net goal by Bob Bourne with 32 seconds left in regulation time. It's Bourne's fifth from Dennis Potvan. And the Islanders escape Madison Square Garden with a 5-3 win and a 4-2 series victory. Two goals each for Bob Bourne and Butch Goring. Dave Longevin with a goal and an assist. Those are the multiple point players for the Islanders. As far as plus-minus goes, Dennis Potvan was a plus-three, while Mike McEwen led the Islanders with five shots on goal. Butch Goring, Bobby Nystrom, and Brian Trottier each had four. Billy Smith with 22 saves to earn the victory, and the Islanders advanced to the Eastern Conference Final Series against the Quebec Nordiques. It's actually back then was the Prince of Wales Conference Final. So the Islanders were set to take on Les Nordiques de Quebec in the third round of the playoffs as they continued their run to a third straight Stanley Cup. I tell you, those Islander teams, those dynasty teams were something special. If you're old enough to remember it, you know what I'm talking about. If not, you know, go back and watch some of those games and what those teams were able to do. And, um, you know, uh, MSG played all four cup-clinching games, but there are other games out there. They're showing games. There are games on YouTube, games uh, that fans have on DVD or that they share. Please, go watch some of those uh, old Dynasty Year Islander teams because they were that good. And 19 straight playoff series is probably a record that will never, ever be broken. So let's talk about some signature wins for the Islanders this year. We'll start off with uh, the game January 6th against the Colorado Avalanche. Simeon Varlamov, a kind of a, I wouldn't say a revenge game, but you know what? Let's face it. When you beat your former team, and for Varlamov, obviously, that is the Avalanche, that takes on a little bit more of a special feeling and to do it in this fashion where the Islanders win the game one to nothing 
the Avalanche came into this game as the highest scoring team in the league, and Varlamov made 32 saves when facing his former team for the first time. So, not only do you get the win against your old team, and he played there for eight seasons, you also had a situation where Varlamov had to be perfect in this game. Now, there was an apparent goal allowed. Nikita Zadarov actually scored with about five and a half, six minutes left in the second period. The play was challenged for an offside, and the Islanders end up holding on to that shutout for Varlamov. 32 saves, and the Islanders are able to win that game one to nothing. Definitely one of the season highlights for this Islanders team. Another great highlight for the Islanders was uh, a nice game for Jordan Eberle. We'll go back to February 21st against the Detroit Red Wings. And for Eberle, the reason that this was good, it was so important. The Islanders had lost four straight games. They were kind of getting down on themselves, feeling that playoff berth that they seem to have so locked up in October and November, kind of fading away. And Jordan Eberle, who got off to a very slow start in this season, kind of had a nice breakout game for the Islanders in this one. Ends up getting his first hat trick as an Islander, His third hat trick uh, in his NHL career. Got the first two goals of the game uh, to make it 2-0 Islanders. And then late late in the third period, the Red Wings get on the board, make it a one-goal game. And two minutes later, Eberle puts it away with his hat trick goal. Eberle playing over 20 minutes of ice time in this one, and that certainly helped uh, him as he took five shots on goal against Jonathan Bernier and ended up scoring on three of them. So, you know, Eberle coming up big in this one and helping the Islanders have a big win, a timely win, and a magic moment. Another one of my favorite wins this past season, uh, I'm going to go to a game at the Coliseum on October 14th, the Islanders taking on the defending Stanley Cup champion, St. Louis Blues, and this game came early. It was a one o'clock matinee, it came early in the uh, season, Islanders just starting to get things going, and they fell behind early, they're down two to nothing. Early in the third period, Braden Shen had scored for the Blues in the first period. Vladimir Tarasenko, a power play goal in the third. And with a little more than five minutes left in regulation time, Islanders are down two to nothing. Not looking like things are going all that well. Although, somehow, some way, Tomas Grice keeps them in the game. And then the Islanders explode. Brock Nelson, 
gets a goal at 14-29, and the Islanders are within one. They pull the goalie, and Matthew Barzal scores at 19-33 of the third period in the final minute, his first of the season from Johnny Boychuk, and we're headed to overtime. And then in overtime, Devon Taves, his second from Barzal and Nelson at 113, and the Islanders uh, basically end up with a win over the Stanley Cup champions. And to me, one reason I love this win so much is that it showed the resiliency that this team has and that it showed throughout most of this season until you got to, let's say, February and March when things really started to sputter. This team was never out of any game. And to me, true champions, you know, look, every NHL team is going to make mistakes. Every team is going to have moments where they're not playing well or, you know, you have a giveaway, it ends up in the back of your net. Uh, But truly great teams come back and don't let these mistakes or a deficit discourage them. And the Islanders showed this in this win against the defending Stanley Cup champions. And it really ended up setting the blueprint for the way the Islanders were going to win games for most of the early part of this season. So, you know, to me, a very big win here for the Islanders. One other highlight I wanted to discuss Uh, the retirement of John Tonelli and Butch Goring's numbers, respectively. First of all, again, Anders Lee and and Tonelli both showing a lot of class as Tonelli allowed him to continue to wear that number, even though, you know, it is now retired for him. And and Butch Goring, has there been a, a personality who has done so much for the Islanders for so long, whether it was player, a player coach, an assistant coach, coaching in the minor league system, coaching the NHL team, broadcasting for the Islanders. I mean, Butch Goring has done so much for this franchise over the years. And then to have Jiggs McDonald back at the Coliseum to, you know, be there and be the MC when those numbers were raised to the rafters made it even more special, and as far as the Islanders and their fans were concerned, seeing all those players reunite and be there with their families, I mean, Butch Goring's mom came in all the way from Western Canada, she's in her 90s, it was just a great moment, and you know, it's like, it's almost like getting together at a high school reunion or seeing friends that you had in college, when the old Islanders dynasty teams when the players get together, you know, you revert back to those times and it's like you never left and the war stories come out and they get better and better as these guys get older and older and these events get further and further away and into the past, but it's just a great thing. And for the fans who are old enough to remember it, seeing these players reunite again is great. And for those who aren't just to see, you know, what, these players did and what they mean to the hockey fans of Long Island, uh, you know, it was just a great moment. And it is also great to see the current ownership group, uh, 
mend fences and 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 heal the relationship between the organization and the former players. So for that reason, uh, it was another two great moments from the Islanders' season this year. Tomorrow, we will discuss the 17-game point streak, a new franchise record. That is unquestionably the biggest highlight of the season for the Islanders, and we will break it down and talk about some of the highlights from that streak and a whole lot more on tomorrow's show. If you're enjoying the show, please do give us a five-star rating and a review on your podcatcher of choice. It helps other Islander fans find the podcast when they do a search. Also, please, if you're enjoying the podcast, tell your friends, tell your family, spread the word so we can grow the Locked On Islanders family. That wraps up this edition of Locked On Islanders. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NHL for a more national perspective on the world of hockey. Have a great day, everybody. Stay safe. Keep that social distancing going. We will get through this together. I'm only too honored to be able to spend a little time with each of you uh, anytime you press uh, play on this podcast and hopefully help everybody get through this very difficult time. Have a great day. We'll be back tomorrow with another episode of Locked On Islanders. And of course, let's go Islanders.